0: What I appreciate about the Apostle Paul is he always told the truth. Uh, he, he was very transparent. He didn't try to paint the Christian life as in in this rosy picture of no muss, no fuss, no trouble, no pain. Uh, To the contrary, he, he got real down and nitty gritty with the way he described what he himself and his fellow apostles went through and what we will go through too. The Bible never promised no suffering. It promised grace in the midst of suffering. But never no suffering. And we're in a day and an hour right now where there's a lot of suffering going on. Amen. And so I want to read to you one of Paul's really transparent um uh, passages where he was talking to the Corinthian church. For some reason, if you read 1st and 2nd Corinthians, Paul is really laying his own sufferings out to them. For some reason, he just put it all on the table to the Corinthians. I don't don't know why, but, but he did. And here in 2 Corinthians 4, verse 1, I'm going to read verse 1, then I'm going to jump down to verse 6 and read through verse 9. And so let's look at what Paul told the Corinthians about his own sufferings. He said, therefore, having this ministry by the mercy of God, what are the next words? Everybody read them with me. We we do not lose heart. I want you to catch that because that's the gist of where I'm going today. We don't lose heart. For God, verse 6, who said, Let light shine out of darkness, has shown in our hearts to give, look what God put inside of us, the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus. Wow. He put that in you. For God, look what it says, has shown in our hearts, light. The, the God who said, let there be light, and that's the first thing God created, light. Let there be light, and there was light. Now, he said, the same God that did that has shined in your heart. He has said, let there be light in your heart, but not physical light, spiritual light. What kind of light? The light of the knowledge of the glory of God In the face of Jesus Christ. Now look what God did in verse 7. We have this treasure in jars of clay. Ugly flesh. We have this treasure in us. In our mortal bodies. Jars of clay. To show that the surpassing power belongs to God and not to us. Now he's going to show us what the surpassing power does. And I'm going to close. He said first. We are hard pressed on every side, but the surpassing power didn't let us get crushed. All right. Then he says, we were perplexed, but the surpassing power did not allow us to be driven to despair. Persecuted, but not forsaken. Struck down, not down, but the surpassing power of God inside of us did not allow us to be destroyed. amen? That is good stuff. Let's pray together. Father, we just thank you for your blessing today on the Word of God. Thank you for those that are watching, Lord, by streaming video, and we welcome them uh, into the sanctuary with us today. God bless you. And Father, we just pray that in the living rooms and in the sanctuary house today, you will manifest this surpassing power, the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in Jesus' face. Lord, let us walk out of here edified, exhorted, and comforted, strengthened in our faith, ready to take on another day in the power of God. We thank you for it, Lord. Thank you for divine revelation on your word, for making it live in our hearts. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, give a shout out to your neighbor and tell them this is going to be good. You better write something down, take notes. Amen. Now, Verse one sets the stage for the rest of uh, the text that we read. I want to go back to it. Paul said, We do not lose heart. We go through all kinds of troubles and problems and trials and tribulations, but even in spite of all of them, we do not faint. That's the idea. We don't faint on the inside. We don't put up the white flag. We don't walk away and give up on God. We don't leave the prayer closet. We don't stop reading the word. We don't get out of church. We don't get out of fellowship. We don't quit the race. No matter what happens to us, God keeps us afloat. God keeps us running. God keeps us strong. God keeps us in the game. No matter what we experience, now I want to tell you that Paul and the other apostles—they suffered greatly, folks. They suffered in a way that we we likely will never know. Though I do believe that, no doubt, um, greater persecution is coming upon the church in America in the days to come. I believe that because uh, it's already increased. But what Paul and them went through, he tells us. He he lays it out. He's very honest. He says, we were beaten, we were imprisoned, we were cursed, we were persecuted, we were abused. We were slandered, we were ostracized, we were treated like dirt. Quoting him, like the scum of the earth is how we were treated. Makes you want to be an apostle, doesn't it? (laughs) All right. And there were times it was even worse than that. Listen to what he said uh, to to the Corinthians in the first chapter of 2 Corinthians. Listen to what he said. He wrote, We think you ought to know, dear brothers and sisters, about the trouble we went through in the province of Asia. We were crushed. We were overwhelmed beyond our ability to endure. And we thought we would never live through it. Now there the apostle is telling us that he went through a trial that they wondered if they were even going to emerge on the other side alive. Now, I don't know if you've ever been through anything like that. Some of you have. Some of you have had life and death struggles in this world. And I don't know if you've ever been to the place where you wondered, am I even going to get out of this? Forget getting out of this someday. Am I going to get out of this alive? That's what the Apostle Paul went through, and I believe that's what he's talking about in the text we read He's elaborating on it when he says, hard-pressed, perplexed, persecuted, knocked down. Those are his adjectives. Those are his descriptives of what he went through. Again, we were hard-pressed. We were perplexed, confused. We were persecuted. We were literally knocked down. Now, that's honesty, He's not trying to paint a picture of, hey, we're the mighty apostles, God's men of faith and power for the hour. Everywhere we go, it's just blessed and favored and all of this. No, he says, we went through hell on this earth. We went through hell and back in our ministry for the Lord Jesus Christ. We we thought we were going to die. He's telling us here that the devil and wicked people did their best to take them out. But through the power of Jesus Christ, not only did they survive, but they thrived, and they won the battle every time. So you have a paradox here. You have him describing what he went through, but then telling us every time, but it did not succeed in totally taking us out. Now, let me bring this down to where we live today. We're living in increasingly perilous times, if that's news to you. Uh, come down after the the, the uh, service, and I want to lay hands on you and pray for you that your eyes will be open because we are definitely in perilous times. I came to Christ in the early seventies well, in the late sixties I was saved in the early seventies I entered the ministry, and I want to tell you it 's not the same America today as it was then. We are in a totally different nation, a totally a totally different land with, with totally different rules, totally different beliefs uh, the the, the Depths to which America has plunged in my lifetime amazes me. We're living in perilous times. And didn't the Bible tell us that would be the case in the last days? Know this, that in the last days perilous times shall come. Dangerous times, difficult times for those walking with God. America is boiling over with anger and hatred and division and offenses and lawlessness and anarchy. And it seems that it's only, um, escalating. It seems that it's, it's, it's like a snowball going down a hill. And it's, and it's getting larger and worse as we watch. Now, I'm not saying this to get you down because I believe that God is in charge of all of it. But this is, this is the reality that we wake up to now. And the church is experiencing persecution on a level that in all of my years of ministry, I've never witnessed, not in America. I knew about it overseas. I knew about it in other nations, uh, you know, China, um, Muslim nations. I, I, I was well aware of the persecution. But now it's come to our door. Now it's come to us. Now, you, you can take certain states where it's worse than others. But in California, they're being fined for meeting in church. They're being fined. I read this this, this precious older pastor You know, bald glasses, older man. You could tell he's a sweet guy, a loving guy, loves people, has this massive church in California, a Baptist minister. And he was saying that already they have been fined $10,000 and threatened with arrest for meeting in a church building, the community of which has very little COVID. There is no rational reason for them to be shut down, but they have been. And so we know that it's because the powers that be do not like the Christian church meeting. And they are actually now shutting churches down. Charismatic, non-charismatic, denominational, non-denominational. They're being shut down and threatened with fines and arrests and all kinds of consequences. Another church had its parking lot taken away from them. They had been leasing this parking lot for over 40 years to the tune of $8,200 a month. For 40 years, they've paid the city $8,200 a month to use this parking lot. And, and out of nowhere, L.A. took the parking lot away from them, leaving their people nowhere to park because they insisted on meeting in the house of God. So we need Paul's words today that encourage us Because he says, in spite of all of our trials, we were not crushed. We were not left to despair. We were not forsaken. And we were not destroyed. Amen? Amen, amen. Say it with me. Not crushed. Not in despair. Not forsaken. And not destroyed. Now, like Paul, many of you are hard-pressed today. There's a lot of you that feel very hard-pressed. And you feel perplexed. I've had seasons of perplexity during this whole COVID thing. Uh, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to elaborate on these words in just a moment. But you feel perplexed. You don't understand what's what's gone down in your life. And you're asking God for wisdom. And you're asking him for mercy. And you're asking him for grace. You're saying, Lord, speak to me. I don't understand. I feel perplexed or persecuted. You're being attacked for your faith, maybe for the first time in your life. And guess what? It might even be coming from your own home and your own kin and your own family. It has me. I said it has me. And I've had to just love people, no matter what they said to me, about my beliefs. Or you're cast down. Some of you feel so cast down and watching right now by... Uh, streaming, you feel so cast down that you don't know if you're going to get up again. Well, I'm here to tell you again, or today, that you're going to get up again. I'm going to show you that you're going to get up again, because the one who got up again lives inside of you. Amen? So if you're feeling uh, hard-pressed and perplexed and persecuted, and cast down, this message is for you. And if you don't feel that way yet, buckle your seatbelt, you're going to, and and you're going to need to go back in the archives and get this message. Now the first thing we hear is this, and I'm I'm sort of taking each one of them, and I'm going to tell you what I believe it means in a nutshell. So when it comes to feeling hard-pressed, here's what this is telling me, pressure will not defeat us. I I am hard-pressed, but I am not Defeated. I'm hard-pressed. We are hard-pressed on every side, but it has not crushed me. I'm experiencing being hard-pressed. God has allowed me to go through a trial where I'm hard-pressed, but he's also not allowed me to be crushed by it. The word pressed here is from, from a Greek word meaning to constrict, or compress, or to be confined, hemmed in, or restricted to a narrow place. We are hard pressed. I don't like elevators. I got stuck in one once for four hours. And it's a good thing I was alone, because I would have killed somebody if they had been in there with me. Because I was having a real problem being stuck in that elevator. But see, I don't like elevators. I especially don't like elevators when they're full. If I'm standing waiting for an elevator and that sucker opens up and I see that it's full, I just wave goodbye to them because <laughs> I'm not going to get in. Because when they're, when they're full and you step in there, you are pressed in tight with people pressing against you on every side. And my thought is always, if this, thing's, this thing gets stuck with me pressed in with all these people, uh, it's going to be a bad scene in this elevator. But here's the deal. That's what the picture is here. It's like you're in uh, an elevator and it's full of people, but, it, but the people are trials. And the trials are pressing in. They, they have ganged up together. And trials are coming at you from every side. You've got a trial on the right, a trial on the left, a trial coming up from behind, and a trial in front of you. And, and so you feel hard pressed. And they're pressing in on you. Jacob felt this way in Genesis 42, 36 When he said, everything is going against me. Ever feel that way? Everything is going against me. Now Paul said... When this happened to him and his fellow apostles, when they're out there on the road preaching the gospel, winning people to Christ, building churches, when this happened to them, he said the Lord did not allow the multiple trials to crush us. He did not protect us from the trials, but he uh, protected us in the trial. He did not allow the trials to do us in. Now, see, in other words, God had his hand on the dial of their trials When they reached a certain point, the Lord said, far enough, no further, stop here. Now, I guarantee you, if you're feeling hard-pressed today, the Lord is watching everything you're going through. He's aware of everything. Paul said, God was watching everything we went through. He didn't stop us from being hard-pressed, but as soon as it got more than we could bear, when we were even despairing of our life, God said, that's it. Far enough, devil, you can't go any further. Circumstances, you can't go any further. People that are coming against them, you can't go any further. And God lowered the boom and set a boundary. God set a boundary for their trial. And folks, I want you to know that the God of the Bible is a God of boundaries. He's a God of boundaries. Listen to what Psalms say about him in 74, verse 17. He he says, you, God, have established all. All the boundaries of the earth. He sets boundaries on all of his creation. God has established all the boundaries that are in the earth. And that includes the boundaries of your trials. God puts a boundary. Have you ever stood at the, at the seashore? And here comes these waves rolling in and, and, and ask yourself, how in the world do they just not keep on coming and cover this whole beach and cover the world in water? Why, what stops the waves when they stop? God does. Because God set boundaries and God said, you can go this far and no further, this far and no further. And can I tell you today, church, the devil is a dog on a leash. We talk a lot about the devil, all the devil this and that and the other, and the devil's attacking me, and the devil's done this and that. But let me tell you something. The devil's a dog on a leash. He can't move one step without God's permission because our God is a God of boundaries. He sets boundaries on our trials, and he will not allow our trials to go beyond a certain place, a certain Mark in the sand, a, a a boundary. He sets the boundaries. And he said, I'm not going to keep you from them because they, they teach you to trust me. But I'm not going to let your trials crush you. They will not take you out. You are not going down. You're going through. It's not what I'm going through. It's what I'm going to. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. For thou art with me, your rod and your staff, they comfort me. God's got his hand on the dial of your trial. Amen. Can we thank the Lord today? Amen, amen, amen. Amen, amen, amen. So say, say with me, God's got his hand on the dial of my trial. It's absolutely true. Now the second thing we learn here is this. Confusion will not discourage us. He said we are perplexed, but we are not driven to despair. We are perplexed, but we aren't driven to despair. Now, perplex is an interesting word, and and I'm going to show you what they mean in the original language because the original language will open up windows to to these words and what they mean. And we we need to know what Paul was thinking when he wrote it. So perplex is from a Greek word meaning at a loss. To be without resources, to be in straits, to not know which way to turn. That's what it means. We are perplexed. We're at a loss. Paul said, there have been times we were at a loss. We didn't know which way to turn. We didn't know what was going down. We didn't know where, what we were supposed to do, how we were going to handle this. If we would even come out alive. We were in straits. We didn't have the resources to get us out. We didn't know what God was going to do or how he was going to do it. We were perplexed. And in that honesty, now if I'm the mighty apostle and I'm writing the Bible, that's going to be read for 2,100 years. I don't know if I'm going to say those things. I'm just going to say glory to God. It's all been good. I'm God's man of faith and power for the hour. Hallelujah. Amen. I'm favored. I'm blessed. I'm this and I'm that. But Paul said, no, there were times we didn't know what was going on. We were perplexed. Out of nowhere, a trial hit us. You know, life throws curveballs. Anybody ever had a curveball thrown at you by life? Life throws curveballs. Out of nowhere, a trial comes knocking that leaves us at a total loss. We don't know which way to turn. We're totally taken by surprise. I can tell you, there have been times in my life where life threw me a curveball. And I think some of you can identify with this, but there were times in my life where I just looked up and all I could pray was, Lord, I don't know what to do have mercy on me. This is bigger than I am and I don't know where to turn. And even there were times I couldn't even pray that. There were times I got two words out, help me. Amen. Now that may not be very eloquent, but sometimes that's the most raw, real, greatest prayer you can pray. How many of you have ever had said, Lord, I don't know what to pray. Just help me, help me. And that's what perplexed means when you just look up and say, Lord, I don't understand the circumstances. I don't understand what I'm going through. I don't get it. I thought this was going to happen, but this is happening instead. I thought I was going to go here, but I'm going there instead. I thought it was going to be this person, but it's that person. I, Lord, I just, I, just, I assume things that have turned out to not be true. Or, Lord, I'm experiencing a trial that I can't make head or tails of, and, Lord, I don't know what to do. That's perplexed. That's perplexed. And Paul said, we were perplexed, but the Lord did not allow it to drive us into despair. And you know what? In my own life, when I just had to look up and say, I don't know what to do, Lord. Help me, Lord. Please help me. Help this boy. Help Jeff Wickwire. He always came through. And I and I always got to the other side. And I always ended up looking back going, well, I didn't know how I was going to get out, but I got out. I didn't know how I was going to stand up again, but I stood up again. I didn't know how I was going to make it through, but I made it through. How did I do it? Not by might, not by power, but by the grace and the spirit of the Lord. I made it through. And God carries us through things like that so that we can look up and say, Lord, it wasn't my doing. It was your doing. I could never have done it, but you did it. And so I give you all the praise. If you've had something like that lately, can we just lift our hands and just say, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. One day, life threw King Jehoshaphat, a major curveball. King Jehoshaphat was the king of Judah. And he was doing great and things were going great. But somebody came to him all of a sudden. They brought a report. And they said, oh, king, a mighty army is coming against us. A vast army. Uh, innumerable. It's huge. You can't see the end of this army coming against us. It's an overwhelming attack. Ammonites. Moabites and other rites coming against them. And they said, King, uh, this is bad news. And the Bible says that King Jehoshaphat prayed the right kind of prayer. One, number one, he prayed. He went to God with it. But then he prayed the right kind of prayer. It was, I'm perplexed, but I'm not in despair kind of prayer. He said, oh God, we have no power. We have no power, no resources to face this vast army that is attacking us. We don't know what to do. Everybody say perplexed. We don't know what to do. But then he said, but our eyes are on you. Oh, I love that. When you don't know what to do, get your eyes on him. Don't get your eyes on the problem. Don't look at people, places, or things. Get your eyes looking up. We don't know what to do. We're perplexed, but, Lord, we put our eyes on you. And that's what kept him from despair, And they said, Lord, we don't know what to do. Well, God sent a prophet, and you know what they did? They put singers and worshipers in the front of their own army. Their own army was minuscule compared to this army coming against them. But see, they had God with them. And if God be for us, then who can be against us? If God is for you, he can save by many or he can save by few. And so there was few of them and many of their enemy, but they put the singers and the worshipers in the front of the line. Not weapons, not swords and spears and arrows and whatever, but just singers. And can you imagine what the Moabites and the Ammonites and the otherites thought when they came up on uh, the children of Judah, the people of God? And, and instead of seeing uh, warriors with weapons, there were singers just worshiping God. But it says all of a sudden God moved and sent confusion among them. They began to destroy one another. And God wiped out this vast, massive army that was coming against Jehoshaphat. And God got the glory. So when you don't know what to do, when you're perplexed, you look up and you say, God, I don't know what to do, but I know that you do. Can I tell you something? When we are confused, he's not. When we are overwhelmed, he isn't. When we are bum-fuzzled, he is not bum-fuzzled. When we don't know what to do, he knows exactly what to do. And so everybody say, look up. When we are overwhelmed, run to Jesus, run to Jesus. When you're perplexed, run to Jesus. Run into the presence of Jesus. Now there's a third thing I see in what Paul said. Opposition will not deter us. We are persecuted, he said. That's opposition. Opposition. But we're not forsaken. Opposition will not deter us. Persecution is opposition. Do you know what persecution means? In the Greek language, it literally means to be hunted down. It means that something is coming at you aggressively. It means that that, that a predator, uh, 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 something is pursuing you to harm you. Hunted. That's what persecution means. Being hunted. These churches in California are starting to feel like they're hunted. Hunted. Like they're being singled out to be treated this way when protests can happen and riots can happen and nobody stops them and bars are full and you can go to Home Depot and you can go to Walmart, but you can't go to church. Hunted. Persecuted. Hunt down like a hunter pursuing a catch. And Paul knew exactly what this felt like as he was hunted his whole ministry. He was hunted. See, unbelieving Jews that were furious at Paul, that tried to kill him all the time, hated his guts because he was pulling people out of Judaism and into the new faith that it was in the, uh, the Lord Jesus Christ, the new covenant. And so what they did was a, a group of Jews would follow him from town to town, hunted. And he would stand up to preach the gospel and they would be standing there uh, shouting at him, refuting him, trying to undo what he was saying He was hunted, town to town, city to city. He would leave a city and they would come swooping in and they would look for the converts he had won to Christ and they would try to talk them out of their new faith in Christ. Hunted, persecuted. He was stoned, he was imprisoned. He was slandered, he was lied about. He was abused, he was wronged. Hunted. They threatened his life, spread lies about him, stirred up frenzied mobs to attack him. He was hunted. But he says, let me tell you something. Yeah, they hunted me, but I was not forsaken. I was not forsaken. Hallelujah. I was not forsaken. Now, he's talking about Jesus not forsaking him, not men. Because men forsook him. Men forsook him all the time. What did he say about Demas? Demas has forsaken me. He said, when I got pulled in front of Caesar to give my defense, everybody in Asia that I'd won to Christ forsook me. But the Lord did not forsake me. The Lord stood with me and strengthened me. And I stood with my testimony of Jesus in front of the Caesar, in front of the high court of Rome. But people forsook him. But but here's the deal. No matter what you go through, church, though people walk out on you, Somebody that you love may walk out on you. Friends may turn on you. They may stick you in the back with a knife. They may get out there and somebody that you used to run with and walk with and shared uh, your life with has now turned against you. You can expect that from people. I don't want to sound cynical, but, but the Bible says clearly don't put your faith in the arm of flesh. Don't lean on people. But there's one you can put your faith in who will never walk out, who will never turn his back, who will never say, I don't know you, But that, and that's the Lord Jesus Christ. He will never walk out. He will never, never forsake you. People can fail you, and you will fail people. But the captain of our salvation will never walk away from us. He will stick closer than a brother. He said, I am with you always to the very end of the age and he said in Hebrews 13 verse 5, I love this, never will I leave you. Never will I forsake you. The, the feeling there is it's, it's impossible, it's preposterous to ever think that I would ever walk out on you. It'll never happen. Amen. So pressure, say this with me, pressure will not defeat us. Confusion will not discourage us. Opposition will not deter us. And there's one more. Hard hits will not destroy us. He said we are struck down, but not destroyed. Struck down in the original language is a wrestling term, and it means to be cast or thrown to the ground. We've all seen two wrestlers, and what they're trying to do immediately is is, is they one or the other wants to get the other down on the mat and hold him down where he's got to say, you got me. And the referee gives the count. And if it makes it to 10 while he's holding him down, he wins. The idea is we are struck down. Paul said, there were times in my ministry where we were struck down. We were, we were taken to the mat. We were taken down into a, to the mat. We were in a battle for our life. We were taken down. We were cast down. We were thrown to the ground. If you live long enough, I guarantee you, you're going to experience being cast down. It comes by a sucker punch, a trial that comes out of nowhere and knocks you down. You didn't see it coming and knocks you down. We're confident we can handle the normal trials of life. Oh, yeah, I can, you know, I got some bills. I don't know how I'm going to pay them. Or I got a flat tire the other day and that was a hassle. Or my car broke down. Oh, you know, God will help me. Those are the normal trials of life. But a sucker punch is the trial you didn't see coming that is a big deal. You lose your job. You get a bad doctor report. You find out your spouse was unfaithful. Out of nowhere, pop, it comes. And that's when all your coping mechanisms melt away. I like what Mike Tyson said. He said, everybody's got a plan until they get punched in the mouth. Yeah, Uh, that reminds me of Lama's classes. I remember me and Kathy, my late wife, uh, when Jeremy was going to be born. We went through all the Lamaze class. We learned how to breathe and all that stuff. But how many of you have ever experienced that? And then when it came time to have that baby, Lamaze went out the window. (laughs) Kathy made up words to call me when I told her, breathe, (laughs) breathe. Come on, ooh, ooh, ooh. And all she did was scream at me to get another piece of ice and go away. Everybody's got a plan till you go into labor. Everybody's got a plan till you get punched in the mouth, right? But listen, Paul triumphantly testifies that the sucker punches, listen, everybody, the sucker punches that hit us didn't kill us. They didn't kill us. We were down, but not out. We got knocked down for a season, but we were not knocked out. If you've been knocked down by a sucker punch today, let me make a prediction. You are down, but you are not out. Now, the devil will tell you you're down for good. The devil will tell you, this is it. You're down. I've got you down. You might as well give up, leave church, get out of prayer. You're down. You're not like others. You're in a battle you're never going to recover from. This mistake, this sin, these circumstances what they did to you, what he did to you, what she did to you. You're never going to recover. But the devil likes to lie about the one who lives in you because greater is he that is in you than anything you're going through. I'm going to say that again because some of you look at me like, uh, I don't know, Pastor Jeff, this has been a tough season. Let me tell you something. If you have been knocked down by a sucker punch, you're getting back up. I know you're going to get back up, because greater is he that lives in you than he that is in the world. Greater is he, because listen, they took our Lord Jesus Christ, and they beat him beyond recognition. They made him carry his cross up a hill. He dropped it, and they had to get the Simon of Cyrene, a black man, frankly, truthfully, to carry his cross for him. They took him up that hill. They laid him down on that cross. They hammered Huge nails through his wrists, not through his hand bones, but right here where they could go through without breaking bones. And the same in his ankles. And they hoisted him up. And he he dropped down into the ground. The, The cross made a thud when it hit the ground, the bottom of the hole. And he felt that lurch. And Jesus hung there like a common criminal and died for you and me. He gave his life for you and me. He shed his blood for you and me. Buddha didn't. Muhammad didn't. Hare Krishna didn't. Confucius didn't. Nobody bled for you and died for you. But Jesus Christ, his crimson blood, innocent and pure, poured down that cross. And the Bible says that while he hung on that cross, God laid on him the iniquity of us all. Every curse word you ever spoke, every sin you ever committed, every wrong thing you ever did, every vile thing that ever came out of your mouth or entered in your mind was laid on Jesus Christ. And he became the sin sacrifice for us all. They took him down off that cross. They laid him in a borrowed tomb owned by Joseph. And the Roman government thought that was it. We got rid of him. The Jewish religious leaders said, that's it. We got rid of him. But Jesus Christ on the third day, the Holy Ghost entered that tomb and moved across Jesus with the spirit of resurrection. And the son of God breathed for the first time in three days. He opened his eyes. He stood up in that tomb. He laid his grave clothes in the corner, nice and neat. Jesus was not sloppy. And the angel moved the boulder away. And Jesus walked out into the first Easter sunshine morning, raised from the dead. That Savior lives in you. Lives in you. So you may feel down. Others may say, well, that's it for you. But I'm going to tell you something. You can't keep a good man down. You can't keep a Christian down because the spirit of resurrection that was in him is in you. And he's going to stand you back up, dust you off, get you back on the path. And you're going to do the will of God for your life and then go to glory. Amen. Amen. Come on, everybody. Give him praise. Stand up and let's give him praise. Come on. Give God praise. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Lord. So say with me, pressure won't defeat me. Confusion won't discourage me. Opposition won't deter me. And hard hits will not destroy me. Can we just lift our hands and thank the Lord? If you've been sucker punched, I want you to give a wave. If you've been sucker punched, wave your hand. I see you. People all over this sanctuary. And if the devil's been telling you, you're down now, you're not coming back, I want you to say to him, to yourself, just but say to him, you're a liar. You're a lying devil. If you're talking, you're lying. Because the Lord says to me, He always makes me to triumph in Jesus Christ. He didn't say sometimes. He said always. We are more than conquerors through him who loved us. We go from faith to faith and glory to glory. Nothing can separate us from the love of God in Jesus Christ, our Lord. So I want us to give the Lord the sucker punch. We're going to do it right now. Say, Lord, I give to you the trials that have hit me hard. I give it to you. Lord, I thank you. Though it's bigger than me, it's not bigger than you. I give this trial to you and I trust you to carry me to the other side into the place of victory with a testimony that will encourage many others. Say this with me. I will get up again In the mighty name of the Lord Jesus Christ, I want you to say one more thing with me. I'm down, but I'm not out. Amen. I believe that with all of my heart because I believe in Jesus in you. I don't put my faith in in you or me, but I put my faith in the Jesus that's in you and me. Amen. He's able to make us stand. Amen. Give the Lord praise today. Thank you, Lord.